At the moment, we're in a little three-part series here at Woodlands that are preaching on the triangle, the up, in, and the out. And Christianity is based on a love for God, but that love for God has implications. It means we need to love one another as his people. But also, if we love God and we love one another, we must love the world. And Rachel's going to be on part two of that series as we think about the in of loving one another. And so, if you are here as a visitor, we'll be a little bit in-house today because we're thinking a little bit about how we as a local church put into practice this whole business of loving one another, which is easier said than done, to be honest. And Rachel will, will kind of give us some pointers there. But at the end of our service, we'll go back into a short time of worship. And I suppose that at that time, we want to give an invitation for two or three things. We want to invite you, if you are somebody who wants to take seriously that, that call to be committed to one another, to, to kind of maybe think maybe some step-ups there. We may want to call out from some of you leadership, in terms of, for us as a church, leading small group communities is really key for us. And it may also be that today we want to pray for you if you've been bruised or disappointed by church. And, and we can, you know, we've got this kind of big expectation. Oh, I should be loved in this place and welcomed, and yet that's not been your experience. And we'd love to pray for you too. But without any more ado, I'm going to hand over to, to Rachel. Okay, have that. Thanks, Dave. Good morning, everybody. Nice to meet you. If we haven't met, I am Rachel. Like Dave said, it is true. He's not lying. And um, I'm part of the team here, and I'm always here at the 11 a.m. And, and if you're new, it's so... I don't know who you are, but I'm so glad you're here. It's great to have you. And I might meet you at Newcomers to you later, or on the walk later. So um, I was preparing this week and was going through my mind, thinking about all the different churches that I've been part of. And I have belonged to five different churches, all very different. I started off in an Anglican church for my, um, most of my life until I was 19 and I left home. Then I was part of a Baptist church for two years when I was um, first at university. Bogner Baptist, if anyone's ever heard of that. And <laughs> I lived in Bogner Regis. And uh, then I joined an Elim Pentecostal church when I lived in Brighton when I was first married with my husband Martin. That was cool. A little Pente- Elim Pentecostal church, very passionate worship, lots of whipping and amening. It was great. And then I went to Birmingham and I was part of an independent church that met in a school. And then 15 years ago, I joined Woody's with Martin, my husband, and my family. And um, we were really well welcomed, actually, which was really lovely. And I look back at my sort of church history, and I've been very fortunate that I have been in, in good places where I have felt nurtured and loved, but I've been discipled. What do I mean by that? I mean that I have been doing life with other people that have helped me grow, that have spoken into my life, that have encouraged me, that is, have pulled out and drawn out good stuff in me and have challenged me about the not-so-good stuff in me that needs challenging. And um, in all those five different churches, there I've met men and women who really modelled to me who Jesus was and what he was like. And so where I'm going this this morning is that I want us to really think about how we do community well, how we do the in part. There's a triangle, if it could come on the screen, that'd be great. The triangle that Dave said, up, in and out. That as disciples of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, as people who are trying to grow to be more like him, we need to think about where, you know, our upness, our worship, our relationship, our devotion to God. We need to think about our, our inwards, community, our devotion to each other, and then our outwards, which is next week. But I'm talking about the inwards. How do we grow in our relationships with each other? How do we love each other when we're very different and we come from different ethnicities, backgrounds, 
um, experiences, ways of doing life and ways of doing church, how do we keep sort of pushing that pedal of loving each other? Because it's not just we want to be nice people, although that is good. We want to live according to the culture of the kingdom of God, which Jesus paints, which he um, embodied when he walked on the earth. So that he was that, the embodiment, I guess, of the kingdom culture that we really want to emulate here at Woody's. And uh, Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So the disciples said to him, you know, what's really important? What's the, what's the best law we could follow? And that's his response. And then the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what Jesus is calling us to, to love God first. He's our number one priority above everything else, above everyone else, above everything we could ever do or think or dream about, our careers, our families, our kids even, our spouses, our partners, those we love. God comes first. That's the priority. And the next priority is to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. It's a hard teaching, it's a hard teaching, but it's the best form of teaching because it's what the culture that Jesus is wanting to form in us brings out the really, really good stuff in us. So that's where we're going. There's some, I'm just going to pick on four verses that kind of tap into this sort of seam of relationships and doing relationships well that are in the New Testament. The first verse says this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the one I just read. That is Jesus responding to his disciples. Second one, this is the Apostle Paul who is writing to the church um, in Romans. And this is what he's kind of giving them advice and teaching on how they should be living. He says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. Oh, that's tricky, isn't it? If I'm honest, the person I think about most in life is myself. I can, I can spend a lot of time in my head thinking about me. And the more I think about me, the more devoted I, come to, I am to me. But actually, what we've been called to do is to be more devoted to one another. The third verse, this is a description of the early church which met in homes. So these are like the early Christians. They were doing church together. They met in homes. And this is a description of what they were like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. There's a strong emphasis in all of these verses on one another, of doing the one another well. And in fact, if you Google that, like I did yesterday, Google will tell you that there are over 100 references in the New Testament that are calling us to, to be one anothering well, to love one another, to devote, be devoted to one another, to lift up one another, to not hold grudges against one another, to share with one another, there's over a hundred references about how is God people, God's people should do life well with one another. And uh, you can't get away from it. <laughs> you might like to. You might think, well, I'll just do church for myself. I'll just kind of do it all kind of privately and personally. And it's just about kind of me and God. But you can't really get away with that. But you can for a bit. But the reality is we are called not to just be us and God, a vertical relationship. We're called to do loving others in a horizontal relationship. They are kind of two sides of the same coin, which Jesus says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul, but also love your neighbor as yourself. They're two, they're sort of, they're, 
They're two sides. You can't get away from it. And I recognize that it's hard. Like Dave said, it's hard. And, you know, Pav was talking about living in community. Would it be okay if there wasn't 18 other people living in that house? It'd be great. But actually, you know, she learned how to live with 18 other people. And it's been a beautiful thing. But there's nothing like doing relationships with people who are not like you that really kind of, um, well, you could say rubs you up the wrong way, or you could say grows you to be the person that Jesus would have you become, depending on sort of, you know, how you're feeling about it. But when we do relationships with people who are different to us, it really exposes stuff in our own hearts and minds and souls, doesn't it? About what we're like and what our preferences are and our perspectives are and, and whether... Um, you know, they do that, and it, it annoys me. It's irritating. Um, but Jesus calls us to sort of live higher than that, to go beyond that. And his vision for the kingdom of God is that we are a community that loves one another, that we are a community that prefers one another, that we are a community that goes beyond our sort of the easy things, the normal things, the things that we find instinctive and fine to do, and that preferences other people. And that's the vision that Jesus has for the church. That's the vision that we have for this church, for this community, for this service. And how do we do that? There's a lot of us here. We can't all know everyone, every other person in the room. That would just be take too long, wouldn't it? In fact, it's hard to remember everyone's name as it is. But it's something that God is calling us to do. So we have to think about that and be strategic in how we do that. Because we're not called just to do our own thing. We are called to do community well, to love one another well. We can't get away from it. Brene Brown, who is the American researcher and psychologist, she, she has done lots of research into shame and vulnerability and community belonging. This is what she says. We have a deep sense of love and belonging. It's an irreducible need of all people. We are biologically, cognitively, and physically and spiritually wired to love and to be loved and to belong. As we that again, a deep sense of love and belonging <clears throat> is an irreducible need of all people. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, to be loved, and to belong. <clears throat> and we know that, don't we? That makes sense to us. We know that we need to be noticed and loved and belonged. And if you walked into this room, this service, and you walked in, you sat on your own, and nobody spoke to you for the whole time, and you left, and no one said anything to you, you weren't welcomed on the door, no one gave you a coffee, um, no, everyone sort of blanked you, you'd leave, and you'd feel terrible unless you really didn't want anyone to talk to you, unless then you might feel good. But actually, most of us would like someone in to recognise us, say, hello, how are you doing? Here's a coffee. Oh, you can sit anywhere you like. Because that is the way we're wired. That is the way God has made us to be. And so how do we make this community a place where everybody belongs and is noticed and loved and welcomed? That is what Jesus is calling us to do. That is what Jesus is calling us to be so how do we do that? I've got five points that I'm going to go through. I'm going to be throwing out lots of um, ideas and perspectives and challenges. And uh, I'm hoping that some of these will land on some of you, maybe all of you, 
the Holy Spirit will kind of take them and kind of, mm, start, start off a little process of thinking in your mind. Because we can't just be a service that meets on a Sunday morning. We've got to grow ourselves and keep on that sort of trajectory of being a community of believers that love one another well. And that means we've got to know each other, we've got to care for each other, we've got to pray for each other, we've got to um, sacrifice things of ourselves in order to help somebody else. So we want to move towards strengthening this community. And the first thing I want to throw out there to you is that loving Jesus first helps us to love others well. Loving Jesus first will help us to love Jesus well. No, to love others well. He is our starting point. And when we love him and when we allow him to grow our love for him and when we feel like, yeah, there's that reciprocal relationship with Jesus, he won't get, let us get off with not loving other people. He will put people in our way that we have to love, that we find difficult. It's like you pray for patience and God gives you a situation that you've got to be really patient in. And you pray, ask Jesus to help you love people, he will bring somebody across your path that you need to love well or you should love well. But here's our starting point. I wondered if there, was, if there are some people here this morning that feel a bit numb when it comes to their relationship with Jesus. Maybe because you've been treated badly or life circumstances have done things to you or caused you to be in that situation. But this morning, I, just, I wondered if there were people here that just feel a bit numb towards your relationship with Jesus. And... Um, it, I just, I, I've got a few scars on my body from various surgeries in the past, and there's, there's a particular pit in my leg which is completely numb, absolutely numb. I, well, I don't want to kind of test it, but, you know, you can stick a pin in it, and I wouldn't feel it. I mean, I might, but I don't think I would. Um, and actually, you can do a bit of harm with that because I've got no feeling in, my, in a bit of my leg. And actually, it's not, God doesn't want us to be numb. He wants us to be alive to him and alive to people. And so if you feel that kind of resonates with you this morning, we'd love to pray with you a bit later. But love Jesus first, and he will help us to love people. Secondly, we need God's Holy Spirit. We cannot love people who are not like us in our own strength, in our own power. We can't be gooder or better than we already are, most of us. We have to go beyond what is natural and instinctive to love others well, to live sacrificially, to devote ourselves and our time and our energy and our money and our resources and our diary sort of space to others. We can't do that in our own strength. Most of us feel like we're kind of living at capacity, a lot of us, with our kids, responsibilities, jobs, whatever. But when we invite the Holy Spirit into that space to help us love others well, he will help us go beyond what is our normal sort of capacity. He will ex extend our capacity, increase our capacity. We will find that we love people that we find difficult. We will find that he puts us in a situation where we can serve somebody and bless somebody that has just come across our way that we didn't even know. But if we don't invite him into sort of becoming more like that, but kind of keeping him at arm's, arm's length, the Spirit wants to transform us into being more like Jesus into being kingdom of God people. Invite him in. Now, disagreement can be tricky. And I don't know if ever you've ever had a disagreement with somebody who's in the same church as you, or maybe you've fallen out with somebody, or, or not seen eye to eye on something. 
And, uh, you know, that can actually cause massive schisms in churches and separations and difficulties and, and splits. It's, it's so painful when that happens and so difficult. But we have to learn how to disagree lovingly with each other sometimes. We have to disagree well and being able to see something from a different perspective, even theologically, but also love the person who sees it from a different perspective. And sometimes the church is really bad at that. But we need to grow in that. I need to grow in that. To be able to disagree and see things differently and learn how to apologize, learn how to access God's mercy and grace. And that's what, you know, I think Woody's is really a place of God's mercy and grace. When I first came to Woody's 15 years ago, one of the things that struck me about this place, and I think, you know, Dave has modeled that really well, is it's a place of God's mercy. We love God's mercy here. We know it's over us because we need it. Not because we're great, but because we're not great. And God's mercy and grace is, is so kind of dripping in our DNA. And so if you need God's mercy and grace today, it's here for you to access this morning. And also, we have to offer and share God's mercy and grace to those around us that we are different to and see life differently and maybe are wired differently or culturally different. Because that is the currency of the kingdom, God's mercy and grace. He's offered it to us and we need to offer it to others. Thirdly, if we are to love one another and to be merciful and deepen our relationships, we need to kind of recognize what culture is shaping us. You might think, well, no culture is shaping me. I'm just me. I'm, I'm not influenced by culture or anything else that's in the world. And I want to tell you that that's probably not true because we're all shaped by something. Now, are you shaped by the, the kingdom culture, the kingdom of God culture? Are you shaped by what you read in the Bible? Are you shaped by what you kind of discuss with your other people in your small group, you know, that's, that's kind of like helping disciple you and train you? Or are you shaped by other stuff, stuff outside, stuff that is social media, the culture of that, or the culture in your workplace, or, or culture um, that you just kind of just, is there like individualism is something I've been thinking about this week, where it's all about kind of what, you know, what you feel and what you think it trumps everything else and everybody else. That is a real kind of cultural sort of shape that we have to access and navigate our way through because it's really hard to sort of have a conversation with someone and they're like well actually you know this is my truth this is my truth and what what you say you know is is my truth and we're sort of having to navigate all this sort of difficult stuff all the time so what culture is shaping you do you think what is the stuff that is influencing you and I want to say that actually we should be shapers of culture. Easier said than done, I know. Paul England was saying, actually, in the workplace, <clears throat> we can be shapers of culture rather than the workplace culture shaping us. Maybe we can be the people that shape the culture. We can have a kingdom of God culture that we take with us wherever we go. We are influencing the people around us for good, where we love and serve. We humble. We get down. We, we kind of aren't trying to push ourselves forward and be all kind of full of pride. We are the people that... Are like Jesus and will defer to others and will show mercy and forgiveness and won't take offense and won't be bitter. But we will be kind and loving 
even for those people that aren't kind and loving to us. This is the culture that is the, that kind of is Jesus. You know, when you look at Jesus and you see him, that is the culture that we want to become like, more like him. That's what we're talking about when we're saying the kingdom of God culture. It's like being more like Jesus. That's what we're talking about when we say that. Fourth, and I think this is really kind of pertinent to us. We're a large congregation. We have loads of new people coming in, in every Sunday, which is amazing. It's such a massive blessing. And if you're new here today for the first time, we are literally so glad that you're here and that you're checking us out. But we need to be prepared in this gathering to be known and to know others. It doesn't mean we've got to kind of bear our soul to everybody and be really vulnerable and tell everybody everything. I don't mean like that. I mean, we need to kind of step into the community. If you've been here and you've been on the fringe for a while and you're you know, coming to a service, then we're really glad you're doing that. And if that's what you need, then that is okay. But what we really need is for, for all of us to sort of step in to the community and take our place and maybe step up some of us Maybe make space for others in our lives. Maybe initiate conversations and welcome. Every Sunday, could you welcome somebody that you don't know? This is why we have that little bit in the service, you know, turn around and say hello to somebody. Because there's a lot of you (laughs) and uh, it's really easy to be lonely in a crowd. It's really easy to be in a room and think everybody knows everybody else. I've had people come to me at Woody's and say, Oh, it just feels hard because everyone seems to know everybody. I'm like, that is not true. Lots of people know and maybe one other person or two other people. But we can feel that actually everyone knows everybody else and I'm, I'm not a part of it. And probably most of us have felt that. I feel that sometimes. I walk in, I'm one of the pastors here, and I feel like everyone knows everybody else and no one's talking to me. Um, okay, I don't feel that very often. But I, do, I can feel a bit like intimidated because there's a lot of us. But you know, that's a blessing. What a blessing it is to see so many people gathering on a Sunday morning to worship Jesus, to be part of this community. But it takes us all to be on the welcome team. If you're, if you're not wearing a blue t-shirt this morning and you're not on the welcome team, well, let me just let you know, you are officially on the welcome team or unofficially on the welcome team. You might not have a blue t-shirt on, but your job is to welcome somebody else. Your job is to encourage somebody else. Your job is to reach out to somebody else. Because we need to know other people and we need to be known. And in a large church, we have to be really intentional about that. And there are processes like newcomers and contact cards. And you know, Melissa said, I said, Melissa, how many people have filled in contact cards over the last year, April to April? And she said, 480 something. 480 something people have filled out a contact card in the last 12 months. Some churches never have anyone go. <laughs> Some churches are massively in decline and shrinking. And yet God has enabled us to have 487 people fill out a contact card because they're expressing an interest about being part of this community. That is more people than it is in this room. That's more of us. That is incredible. That is like another three churches being planted But we have to have space and capacity to know these people, to welcome them, to assimilate them into our friendship groups, 
our prayer triplets, our home groups, our pastorates, if they want it. Obviously, they don't have to, but, you know, we want to welcome people and be one anothering with all these new people that want to come. And that, you know, can you make space for other people? Can you make space? And I think to do that, we have to go beyond what we're doing now. And as Dave said, that is going to entail probably some of us stepping up and being prepared to lead in ways we haven't led before or to create spaces in our homes, home groups, small groups, pastorates, whatever, to allow the people that want to know about Jesus a space to find Jesus. Now, Dave mentioned before this service, he was giving me a bit of a rundown. And um, he was saying, you know, Alpha is a great, a great example of how people find community. They come to Alpha, they hear a talk, they sit in a, in a small group, and the people in the small group are very different. You can have people who are, you know, high-flying jobs, people who are unemployed, people who are in recovery, people who are just, you know, doing, um, you know, working in a, in a supermarket, people who are... I don't know, really rich, people who are really poor, and yet they're all in this same group, centered around exploring who Jesus is, and they become friends. And it shouldn't really work. In fact, it shouldn't work at all, but it does. It does. Because we're orientating the conversation and the discussion around Jesus and the Holy Spirit is there and people are getting to know each other and we get to the end of 10 weeks and everyone's like oh my gosh I can't believe it's ended you're like you've become friends we're whatsapping together and we're coming to church together and you know we're swapping numbers because it works the kingdom of God is this beautiful thing where when people step in they find a place of belonging and community and it's, of course, there are difficulties sometimes, and it doesn't, there are sometimes the groups don't work so well. I'm not trying to say that it's always roses. But generally, people find a space. They get known. They get to know others. They know others. And it's this beautiful thing that we want to really do here well at Woody's. But to do it well, we have to have space for people. We can't just keep making their existing small groups bigger. <clears throat> small group, the clue's in the word, isn't it? Small group. Large group is a pastor, I guess, where small groups might gather. We can do that. But we so need more places for people to connect and belong. Would you be willing to consider leading a group? Would you be willing to consider even saying to God, actually, what's my part in this? What part do I play in this growth what part can I offer that's my challenge encouragement the strategic review that Dave mentioned challenged us to think about our growth strategy and to think about our discipleship strategy and said we have to grow our midweek church by a hundred percent that's a challenge isn't it hundred percent basically double everything that we've got going on at Woody's midweek that's not just because we want to kind of have lots of big things lots of small things but because we need to make space for people but we need people to say actually yeah I could do that and it might not look like a traditional small group it might look like a book group or it might look like a 
prayer trip blue. It might look like a, let's, you know, read the Bible together. Let's study Mark. Or it could look like all different things. We've got to be creative. We've got to be really open to the Holy Spirit. We've got to kind of think outside of the box. But if you feel a stirring to be part of the solution, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your creative solutions and we'd love to hear. Because we want to do big church. You know, we want to do big church well. We want to have big, large gatherings like this because it's dynamic and it's exciting, it's celebratory, it's attractive. There was a guy that I met, if you're in the room, guy that I met this week, I'm so glad you're here. Um, There's a guy that I met in the car park on Monday. He'd been walking past Woody's and uh, on Sunday evening and was really intrigued by what was going on in the building. He said it sounded vibrant, it sounded like people were celebrating, it was really loud music coming out the doors. I'm like, yeah, it's quite loud in the evening. And um, he said it just looked cool and I was intrigued and I realised it was a church and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Not like church I've ever sort of thought about. And then he came back on Monday and he was walking past Woody's and he got out his, and I was watching him, we were having a meeting in the foyer, I was watching him and I was just like, oh, I wonder if I need to go and talk to him. He got his camera out and took a picture of the Alpha banner. I was out there like a shot. It was like, you couldn't see me for dust. I had my Alpha fly. I went past the desk. I picked up an Alpha fly as I was running out. And I jumped, jumped in front of him. Poor guy looked a bit, ooh, hello. Um, hi. <laughs> Just happened to notice you in the outside. I'm Rachel. Don't be weirded out by my strange behavior. Um, and basically, we got chatting. Really lovely guy. Really lovely guy. Interested in faith, has no church background at all, no sort of real spiritual connections, new to Bristol, intrigued, thinking about life, thinking about meaning, thinking about where he belongs. And God brought him to the car park. We need to make space for chaps like that. We need to be people that welcome chaps like that. Because that's what God calls us to do. That's what God is calling us to be here at Woody's. We're called to be a church that is a light in the city. Not the only light, but one of the lights in the city. And we're called to be a church that makes space for people that don't yet know Jesus. Are you in for that? Yeah. Are you in for that? Some of you might be. Yeah. And if you're in for that, then pray. Ask God to show you what part you can play. Maybe you're already playing a part. That's amazing. God bless you. Loads of you serve in hundreds of ways. But maybe God's stirring something new in you. We'd love to, to hear about that. As I finish, Dave mentioned that there are probably people here who are probably reeling in pain or struggling with the ways that church has hurt you. Maybe this church, maybe other churches. And I think that is a real tension that some of us will know and have experienced personally. And today, this morning, I sense as I was praying and thinking about areas of life that maybe you feel a bit numb. And I think also there's areas maybe for some of you where you feel the wound, the pain of a scar. I've got some big scars on my leg. And you know, if, I, if I jab the bit that's numb, it doesn't hurt. If I jab the scar, it really hurts because the nerve endings have all been damaged. And if there might be places in your heart, in your soul that you know haven't healed properly. You're carrying wounds, maybe, from past hurts, from other Christians that have hurt you, from other churches that have hurt you, from other experiences to do with church and faith that has hurt you. And do you know what? I just felt this morning, God wants to move you forward. The enemy would love to take you out. 
and kind of like neutralize you. But really, we know that Jesus wants to heal us and bring us back in. And this morning, if you're here and you think, oh, yeah, that kind of resonates, we would love to pray for you. We believe that Jesus wants to heal us up, bind up our broken hearts. Help us to forgive those that have hurt us and and restore us. There's mercy and grace this morning in this place to heal and to move you forward. Not to say what happened wasn't wrong or bad. Not to say that, but to say actually God wants you to forgive the past. Welcome his healing in, in the present and move you forward to the future. So let's pray together. Just take a moment to just be quiet and think about, I've said a lot of things. Maybe something has landed on you that you think the Holy Spirit has sort of highlighted to you. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that we're not having to do life on our own. We welcome you, Spirit of God. You're already here. But I welcome you, Holy Spirit, to speak and encourage and to heal. I pray for those of us that feel stirred and think, yes, I want to play a part. I pray that you would show us what that looks like. And you would show us where to plant our next steps and I pray for those of us that are wounded have areas of maybe numbness or pain scars from the past I pray for the courage to invite you in to bring your healing into that place Holy Spirit come and and minister to us to those of us that need it this morning The enemy would love to take us out, neutralize us, but God wants you in. You've got gifts and talents and abilities to bring to the mix of God's kingdom. He wants you to play your full part. So I just pray, Spirit of God, that you'd bring your healing. You'd speak to us and show us what that looks like. In Jesus' name, amen.